Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Aimed in towards Archer! That's a fabulous header! Once again, the target's banished the flick on. Gather around villains and welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. Just in case you still think you're dreaming, you're not. This is actually happening. Alan Shearer, Jimmy Nail, Anton Deck, Prince Mohammed bin Salman, your boys took one hell of a beating. I'm your host, Andy, and today, first of all, I'm joined by Craig. Welcome, Craig. Hi, everyone. Hi, listener. What a beautiful thing it is. I'm not sure you're allowed to say negative things about the uh, Saudi royal family, Andy, but um, good luck with that. <laughs> I wasn't being negative. I was uh, just acknowledging that uh, his his club took a hell of a beating, which they did. They did. You're right. You're right. There was nothing factually incorrect about what you said. And I endorse that message. And we're also joined by James. Welcome back, James, for your second second show. Thanks for having me. Uh, And and pleased to be talking about another win. I'm obviously uh, considering myself as a bit of a good luck charm now. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, Dan usually turns up when we win, but he's um, he's 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 missing today. But um, yeah, absolutely. If uh, if we can keep the run going, that would be that would be great, James. Please. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was um, what a day yesterday. Uh, we're recording this Sunday night, the day after um, the Newcastle game. Um, it was a real, real kind of great atmosphere before the game there was seemed to be a, a lot of positivity in the air um the team were was obviously um similar i suppose leon bailey was uh, added to the injury list um as coutinho cash and kamara remained unavailable um leander dendonka came into midfield and buendia switched to the the number 10 position um even so, as I say, there was there was huge expectation around the ground, um, very much that big game atmosphere, which was not really seen since probably the O'Neill days, with two very much um, informed teams at the top of the Premier League. Um, it felt like something special was happening again at Villa Park, and it's symptomatic, I think, of the, the confidence in Unai Emery, um, that there's still... Um, a lot of expectation amongst the fans, Craig. It is really a magical moment and expectations are, are are being sated and satisfied. It's like going to a restaurant and you order your favourite meal and you keep being served it. And, and it, not only are you served it, it improves in taste and flavour each time. And also, it's then it's then topped off by some wonderful dessert with a cherry and also a kiss from your favourite girl or boy or person. And it's just it's just beautiful. Like it's you mentioned earlier that you know wake me up or don't wake me up. It it is it is dreamland stuff, and I can't really begin to just share the words, which is probably going to be problematic for a podcast. And just how happy this victory in particular made me feel on a Saturday morning. 
James, I mean, you were you were at the ground, weren't you? So you know what what um you know just just kind of what was your experience of the of the atmosphere there before the before the game? Well, exactly. I mean, I think um, my my recollection is I think I was there. There certainly felt like a bit of a nervous tension. I think on the way to the ground. I think just because uh, I think because of the gravity of the game. I think we've we've been on this phenomenal run. And this had the hallmarks, as you say, of, of a big game, really. A, a team who uh, were, 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 they were on a five-game winning streak, weren't they? Um, and arguably the two best-formed teams uh, in the table. Uh, and it had a huge, huge sort of ramifications, I think, of where we're at. It was a, going to be a big, big test of, of how Villa have been playing. But, yeah, I mean, I think that you talk about the atmosphere and I think... You, you can't really get too far into this podcast talking about the game without mentioning the atmosphere. And I can't really remember a, a game, um, certainly recently, which generated the atmosphere, which which was sort of apparent uh, in the ground on Saturday. It, it was phenomenal. Yeah, I think the the I suppose we've we, it's been it's been a tricky time, hasn't it? With with things like that, clearly we we think back. There's a lot of um, a lot of uh, similarities with the. The run, obviously, the promotion run in the championship, and that that generated a lot of atmosphere. I remember a lot of people talk about that Everton game just after we were promoted as well that we won, which I think was a Friday night or a Monday night or something, and and that was that was obviously incredibly loud that that night. Um, Wesley and Jota combining to make magic <laughs> with my beautiful baby boy Anwar sealing in at the in in stoppage time to seal the win. Halcyon yeah. days those were. Halcyon days, Halcyon days, but but kind of like um, more the, the the joy of the unexpected happening. Maybe um, that time this was a very much um, a confident Villa Park, um, even though, like I say, with the with the the injury list as it is, um, and it just feels like the confidence is that whoever takes the field, Craig, that we're we're. We feel like we can do a job. We can we can give anyone a game. Absolutely, and obviously, you and I listened to the podcast last uh, Monday that we recorded when I suggested that Dent Donker, my friend Big Daddy Donk in his um, leather chaps, should come in for. Uh, uh, he's like the fastest gun in the West. Well, he's not the fastest. He kind of moves almost in slow motion, but he's very effective. Anyway, um, should come in for for Leon Bailey. And and, and yeah, and Dan Donker is a player, let's not forget, that hadn't started a game until uh, since the 3-1 Man United victory at home. Um, a little bit burned, perhaps, in the eyes of some uh, for the uh, Stevenage calamity, um, for that that uh, misplaced back pass. But um, Dan Donker is someone I've been really happy with. And it just goes to show, to your point, Andy, that it seems as though we have a real togetherness, a real team, and no matter who plays, everyone knows their role, everyone knows their job, and the Villa just keep marching on, on, on. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. Um, it was a very fast start as well, and I think that always helps. I think it's been a, a, a sign, hasn't it, of, of of Emery's tenure, and it goes back to that that Brentford game as well. That was an incredibly fast start, wasn't it, under under Danks, but. Um, uh, it was re- it was really quick. Watkins in the first minute, really um, getting the measure of the Newcastle backline and 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 hitting the post. Um, Pope was beaten all ends up. That was the first minute. Um, Newcastle always also kind of started quite quite quickly, um, 
but it was it was really Villa with the the more threatening attacks. Um, and then the goal came, lovely Villa move. Eventually found McGinn, who sort of checked back inside and curled a left-footed in-swinger, um, which was um, met by Watkins, who looked like he'd got, got a shove in the back. We were all appearing, appealing for a penalty in the whole end, um, but he nodded the ball back superbly into the um, into the path of Jacob Ramsey, who who dispatched it on the half volley. It was a beautiful finish, really. Um, Watkins had a had a further attempt as well, saved by Pope, um, and then and then Ramsey hit the bar eventually as the ball kind of was recycled back in. Um, it, it was a it was a half of really complete control and domination by Villa, um, and the goal kind of encapsulated that. And it seemed, in a way, Newcastle Craig were fortunate to go in in at half time, only a goal down. They were. I referenced in our, our last show last week how we managed to really escape with a 4 0 victory, uh, defeat, sorry, at St. James's Park in the reverse fixture, and how the 4 0 defeat certainly flattered us a little bit. And it was a similar situation for Newcastle, particularly in this first half. Um, because, as you say, Watkins has hit the post in the first 30 seconds. Ramsey's hit the bar when it was perhaps easier to score. Uh, Watkins has had another strike just previous to that, saved by the legs of Nick Pope, who, who always pretty much impresses me when I see him. Um, very, very talented shot stopper is old uh, Popey. And, um, and, and, and it really was backs to the wall stuff for Newcastle. We really came out of the blocks really fast, which has been a hallmark of Aston Villa under uh, under under Unai Emery. We, we love a new, an early goal in that first half. And, and, and Newcastle just had no answers for us. And I suppose the only regret at halftime was that we only did have that slender one-goal lead. But um, it was certainly one of the best first-half displays that I've seen. Scratch that. It's one of the best display, displays I've seen full stop in a long, long time for Aston Villa. And, and, and it was just marvellous to be peppering peppering their goal in such a way because let's not forget gentlemen Newcastle have the very best defense in the Premier League they still have the best defensive record in the Premier League despite conceding three to us yesterday so let's talk about it in the context in which it does it it, it needs to be spoken about we're not doing this against Southampton or a or a or a or a, or a Plymouth we're doing this against the best defense in England it was spellbinding stuff yeah I think I think the the chance for Watkins in the I think I've got, I got it clocked at 28 seconds I think that really set the tone and I talked about having a little bit of nervous energy a bit of nervous tension before the game and and, and that was all I needed I think so you see the Watkins charging down on goal um, and we'll, we'll talk about that because he, he he gave the Newcastle back for absolute nightmares I think uh, that he terrorised them all afternoon and yeah as I say that really sort of set set the tone um, the, the sort of the play I think it just sort of epitomises how sort of Emery's got us playing with that sort of patient build up from the back but then a real sort of deadly spring and I've, I thought perhaps we were a bit more direct on, on Saturday I think perhaps maybe trying to beat the Newcastle press a little bit um, but again, that really sort of—I mean, the, the Newcastle had sort of quite a high line a lot, and and I think seeing one of the interviews, sort of Watkins is well, what the 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 teammates have been told by Emery is to sort of feed sort of the the through balls for Watkins to to run onto, 
and obviously we 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 saw that quite a bit on Saturday to to devastating effect really. Um, obviously the the that first chance was 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 cri- critical I think. Yeah, on 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 the goal, obviously you know great great finish from from Ramsey. Um, that that um that header back from Watkins though, under that sort of pressure. Um, he was being, I mean, he was being pushed in the back. Newcastle, actually, it's a good chance to make this point. They're, they're a, 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 I want to say dirty, niggly team, aren't they? They I, don't. I was they got some, the word dirty. They've got some big <laughs> bastards in there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, all afternoon, Dan Byrne. I mean, McGinn had the beating of Dan Byrne, I think. He had him on toast, really. And all Dan Byrne could do every time was was foul him. And I can't believe it took him till about the hour mark, I think, to get a book in. He was, he was, he was all ends up, wasn't he, Dan Byrne? Well, Dan Byrne sounds like something you might pick up on a cheeky holiday in Magaluf. <laughs> but I can tell you that uh, he couldn't pick up John McGinn at all. And he was uh, substituted for his trouble, I think, to save his blushes uh, for our former left-back player of the season hero, one of Andy's favourites, Matthew Target. (laughs) And um, Dan Byrne is someone who defies physics for me. I always look at him and expect him to be slower and more ponderous than he is. But when you watch him generally, he is really, really effective and he he, he does very well against much more... um, uh, smaller, agile wingers. However, he had absolutely no answer for John McGinn. John McGinn backed up that ample peach of a backside into Dan Byrne. He uh, held him off, pinned him. He was rolling him. He was roughing him up. Uh, Dan Byrne was forced to fouling him. He, he was dribbling past him. He was cutting inside Dan Byrne. And and, and it was really, really a, a, a torment of, 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 of problems for Dan Byrne. And he was... Um, he was he was rightly booked and and he didn't know what to do with with John McGinn and John McGinn as well was was just absolutely spectacular. You you love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. But I was just gonna <laughs> I got distracted there talking about Newcastle. But that the, say the, the great cross from McGinn, but that that header back. Mm. I wonder, James, do you think? Yeah, I'm all about sort of comparing the two the two versions of Ollie Watkins. So the 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 Dean Smith Gerrard version and the and the Emery version, and I, I wonder, do you think previously Ollie Watkins is trying to head that at goal? Hasn't got the, perhaps the presence of mind to to pick out Ramsey. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a valid point. Really, I think it's sort of uh, there's, there's no doubt that Emery's it changed his game. There's, I mean, we could probably do uh, probably a, a, a podcast on that alone. Really, uh, so I won't go into that in too much detail. But yeah, I think you've really got to give him, him credit. I mean, I, I almost missed the goal because I was sort of so incensed with the the push in the back. I was remonstrating for the penalty. Um, in hindsight, I think that was a fifty fifty. I think if if Ramsey had stuck that wide of the post. Would they have gone back and checked for the penalty? I'm not 100% sure we'd have got that in hindsight. We may have done, but I'm not so sure. But, yeah, I think the awareness um, from Watkins to sort of... Because I think that the cross, it was a lovely cross, but maybe, if I dare say, slightly overhit. I think Watkins was sort of stretching for it a, a, a bit. But, yeah, to have the presence of mind, I think, to to nod it back. But also, I think, obviously, credit to Ramsey, but following the... The ball in and being in the right place at the right time, and and he 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 wasn't messing about with that finish. I will say, you know, on a hot summer night when you're watching the Olympics coverage, and you see the long jumpers or the triple jumpers, and they have that kind of last jump 
where they're kind of flailing in the air and they're always kind of contorted to the side and their faces are somewhat uh, 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 all scrunched up just as they leap towards the sun. Or not the sun, it'll be the, the moon in the night, you know what I'm saying, the stars. <laughs> it was kind of like that. It was like he was, it was almost like he was uh, channeling his, 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 uh, uh, Carl Lewis, there we are. That's an old <laughs> reference for you. He was challenging his Carl Lewis and just leaping like a salmon as he as he went for Olympic gold. Um, but not only did he have to leap, as you say, he also had to cushion a very difficult, perhaps overhit cross, directly into the path of his arriving teammate, and it was just absolutely incredible. Um, off the top of my head, maybe the best assist I've ever seen on Watkins play, just because of the level of difficulty, the level of pressure in the match, and also the um, the, the 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 precision with which it landed at uh, Jacob Ramsey's feet as he arrived onto the ball. Yeah, I think it's it's symptomatic of the the, the fact that I, th- I just think that these players are thinking now, aren't they? They're thinking about what they're doing. You know, they're not just reacting necessarily. They they're, they're they're weighing things up. They're they're going through the they're going through the um, the calculations in their head a little bit more. And I think Watkins is certainly a player who. Um, and the, one of the reasons I think twelve months ago he he tries to head that at goal or or kind of fl- fluffs it in some way is because I think he would have been snatching at it, but he's not snatching at these things anymore. He's not desperate anymore. He's he he's he's in control of his game completely um and you know it was just obviously a lovely header back we, we should give obviously <laughs> James did but give some credit to, to Ramsey for the finish because it was a beautiful finish as well and he you know difficult one to keep keep down that low and drilled it drilled it obviously into the into the bottom corner um Jacob Ramsey. It was a harder. Yeah, go on. It was a harder one to score than the the one he, he hit the bar with. I thought. Yeah, definitely. And um, it 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 it, uh, it was it was it was it was a really great finish. Gave the goalkeeper no chance at all. Also, a quick word for Jacob Ramsey before I forget. I may have said some words in the Chelsea game about him missing a couple of um, opportunities to play Watkins in that first pass in that first thirty seconds for Ollie Watkins run before we forget about it. Absolutely top draw. Yeah. Kudos, Jacob Ramsey. Yeah, he had a much better game yesterday. He was he was probably guilty of maybe snatching at a few things uh, last week against Forest, wasn't he? Um, and he has been a bit in and out of form, but he he was. I'm just like just like the the rest of the team, really. You know, really like raised his levels, and I think I think the, the 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 fast start and the way when Villa play on the front foot like that, I think it really. Um, I think it really uh, kind of complements his game. I think that's the type of game he wants to be involved in. I think he struggles a little bit when things are a bit a bit slower pace and and a bit more kind of contained, really. Um, so no, it was good to see him him back on form. Hope the hope the injury he seemed to pick up at the end isn't 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 too bad. You know, we can do without any more injuries. Um, really, in the in the attacking areas at the moment, but. Um, you know, we'll we'll see, but um, I mean, it's absolutely like we say, superb first half, um, and everyone sort of playing their part really. Um, but the the second half belonged to Ollie Watkins, didn't it? And uh, Southgate was obviously watching from the stands um, on the match of the day coverage. He was certainly uh, smiling from ear to ear after the uh, after the, the the second Watkins goal. I think when they showed him. 
Um, as in the first half, really, just bullied Botman and, and Shah at the back. They had no answer for his power and his runs in behind and his game intelligence, really. Um, they, they got away with one as Watkins had a goal disallowed marginal offside. Was this offside, Craig? It's hard to see on the... Uh, obviously, from, from where we were in the stands. Um, we, uh, we, we, were, we were given one a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I said it was as clear as day that it was offside. Who, who was that against? It was very close. It was... Um, I don't remember. It was a home game. I want to say... Someone went through and scored. I forget who it was anyway. Um, they rounded they rounded Martinez and scored. I oh, think it doesn't matter. Zaha, uh, Zaha, Zaha, yes, yeah. our new our new winger uh, coming in this summer on a free <laughs> transfer. Anyway, um, yeah, it was similar to that, and I said, you know, Zaha was clearly clearly offside, and and and, and this one was the other way, clearly onside. A VAR, what are you doing? <laughs> it was very marginal, but. It's 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 one of those that the the, the frames without getting to the technicalities of the uh, of of the of the uh, frames per second, the ball is elongated in the freeze frame, so we don't exactly know the moment where Moreno's foot touched the ball, and it's difficult to say. But we benefited from one um, against uh, Crystal Palace, so. You, you put your hands up and say, you know, okay, fair enough. We'll, we'll take that on the chin, particularly as it didn't matter because he banged one in two minutes later. <laughs> Absolutely. That was the good thing about it. I mean, it is hard to see these ones, isn't it, James? And you kind of have, as a fan, I suppose, in the ground, you have to just kind of accept that, you know, that, or you have to try and put, put faith in them that they're, they're doing it right and they're getting it as, as accurate as they possibly can. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know the the whole point of VAR originally was sort of to correct the clear and obvious mistakes, but it does seem to be anything but that now, doesn't it? But yeah, I think certainly from I, we were related, weren't we? I think when when we saw the ball hit the back of the net, which uh, even that was a bit of a strange feeling because I think certainly from where we were at the opposite end in the halt, it looked like uh, Pope had got a good hand on it, and it was. It, it diverted it round the post, so it was a bit of a surprise yeah. then when we saw it bulge into the back of the net. But then, yes, then you've got the sinking feeling when you're seeing the big screens VAR check, and I think the longer the longer that goes on, I think you the the the, the deeper that sinking feeling becomes, and the uh, inevitability that it's going to get chalked off. But I mean, fortunately, I think this week. Um, as you said, it, it it didn't really count for much because it was um, I think was it three and a half minutes later, Ollins Watkins was at it again. Yeah, three minutes, three minutes or so later, some some brilliant play I thought by John McGinn. You know, really kind of um, getting into the into the penalty area and, and and waiting to to play his pass, waiting for the the movement of the the defender um, to play in Moreno, um, and then he found Watkins on the edge of the penalty area, back to goal. He just controlled and turned at 180 degrees and, and smartly fired it past Pope for his um, his first goal of the game. Um, again, the, the build-up and finish to this felt like a, a bit of a metaphor for Emery's style. I thought um, patience and poise, accuracy and clinical confidence sort of all evident in this, James. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's sort of... Again, it sort of, as you say, sort of epitomises the performance on the day as well. I think, um, as you say, patient build-up with the ball starting in that half, 
working out wide to Brendia, uh, a lovely pass from him as well um, to find McGinn, um, who then fed Moreno. Moreno did, I thought, I've, Moreno had a, a, a marvellous game. Um, he was he was so sort of potent going forward, and and, and no, no more than the assist for the for the goal. Um, I think he beat two men, managed to pick Watkins out. Watkins in a congested part of the box had the composure to sort of swivel on the ball and and um, poke it past Pope. Easy for me to say. <laughs> Say that three times in a row while spinning in a circle. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was a really nice move. It was it was it was started. I think um, it was started at the back and it came through Big Daddy Donk into Buendia, who was perhaps had his best performance in the Villa shirt against Newcastle. He lays it into Watkins. Watkins with a one-touch layoff into McGinn. McGinn burst into the box that the, the Newcastle defenders back off. They're not sure what to do. Moreno, as he was all day, has ran the length of the pitch. He must be the fittest man in 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 in, in um in, <laughs> that we've seen at left back for a long old time. He's he's run the length of the pitch to provide the overlap. McGinn's picked him out, and the ball is just sumptuous. And and Watkins, <laughs> the aforementioned, I think Dan Byrne, uh, couldn't get near him, and he swiveled and, and and hit it. And that finish actually reminded me of. It was it was just so clinical. It was like um like an Ian Wright type finish. Just like you know, you know, when you, you get to that kind of level of finisher where you just know it's it's a goal. Um the the best finishers just find space where there is none. If you if you look at the freeze frame and when he hits the ball, he's surrounded by three Newcastle players, plus he's got Nick Pope to beat as well. And he just does it in one movement, swivel, Dan Byrne can't do anything about it, and 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 he is just untouchable, unstoppable. Ollie Watkins has become inevitable. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a really good comparison, actually, Ian Wright. That's, it was a very Ian Wright type of finish, wasn't it? You know, one where, again, a few months ago, is he possibly trying to lay that off or or do something or take take more touches? Is, you know, it's just that that really quick turn, almost like a like a ballerina, you know, on his toes and just just kind of just kind of. Yeah, easy finish once he's in that position. But, you know, to turn around like that, you know, and have the presence of mind, he knew exactly where he was, you know, and he he, he stuck it away. And he's he is just, he just looks so confident, doesn't he? he just, it's a totally different guy we're, we're watching. But just on, on Moreno as well, I wanted to mention him because, Craig, I mean, you know, I mean, I thought we had a good left back with Dini. I know, I know you and um, Dan, Dan in particular, d- you know, didn't like uh, Luca Dean. Um, but this guy is such a threat down that left left hand side. He beats beats players, leaves them for dead, and he's in, and he's 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 he's, he's picking out his his targets. He's not just firing the ball across. He's he's actually. Sort of passing it to them. Yeah, and we saw this in the very first game, didn't we? I think we saw him lay one into. It was either Ramsey or Buendia, I forget, but it was like you couldn't see the pass really being on, and it was, and it took the player, whoever it was, by surprise, and he kind of fluffed it. I want to say it's Buendia, but anyway, it was Danny? Ings. Was it Danny Ings? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> um, and um, and 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 we were like, oh, well, that's interesting. Because it's not just getting to the bind line and, and and kind of smashing it, you know, with all, all and hoping for the best. 
it's a really kind of cultured. He's getting his head up, even though he's moving at the speed of light. This guy is rapid. My goodness, he, is he fast? He's moving so quickly, but he also has the 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 awareness, the wherewithal to pick up his head, see a pass, and most importantly, execute that pass. And you know what he does as well? 99 times out of 100, he's rolling it along the ground. There's nothing more, it's not annoying, but it, 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 there's, the, the, there are more annoying things. But it's really irritating when you see someone get to that kind of position and they 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 put a, a ball off the ground that doesn't need to be off the ground because it just makes it that much more complicated for the, the forward to finish off. But the top quality players, and we see this with Man City every week, and Arsenal will do it as well, even though the wheels may be falling off over at uh, the Emirates. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, we see them roll the ball and it makes it a much easier chance. And it was a similar thing for the Jacob Ramsey chance in the first half that he hit the bar. It's really, really important to see because Luca Dean, we know, has excellent delivery. But as we've talked about before, Andy, you've, you, you probably said, um, you, I think you used the phrase, stand and deliver. It's kind of, he gets the ball in, he gets the ball in a wide area. He has a couple of yards of space and kind of like Steve Staunton style, he swings in a nice ball. What Luca Dean does not have, uh, with all due respect to him, is the dynamism and the pace and the dribbling ability to get to the byline in this way. Uh, he must have beat uh, Trippier and um, and um, I think it was um, Murphy playing on that right-hand side for Newcastle. Mm. He, he must have beat them both two, three, four times. It was ridiculous. They could not deal with him. And Trippier is a very good player, by the way. Murphy, not so much, but Trippier is. And, um, and, and just delivering that quality time and time again, it's really, really incredible that we picked this guy up for 12 million pounds. I don't know where he's been, but I'm glad he's here now. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. It's, it was a, a, a really, he's, 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 James, it seems like a really great sort of signing that we've got. He's 29 years old. Where, where, yeah, like Craig says, where's he been? <laughs> That's a and good why, question. I mean, uh, why is no one, no one, no one else signed him? Well, quite. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he was, he was not on 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 my radar at least. And as you say, he's not not as if he's a, a 21 year old just bursting onto the scene. But uh, but yeah, I wanted to praise him really as as his 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 ability to go past the fullback. I mean, we used to watching sort of perhaps maybe a fullback taking on his opposite number maybe give him a 50 50 chance of of getting past him and and getting the ball into the box Moreno was was well above that he was going past Trippier for fun on Saturday um I'm not even sure he he, he lost any of those challenges it was it was a really a sight to behold and um and as you say I think he was he was doing some really useful stuff with the ball um once he had beat his man as well which is easier said than done the other thing that, that he did by being so effective going forward is he completely negated Trippier as a forward threat. And Trippier in the, the reverse fixture killed us, absolutely killed us with his delivery. Trippier is a, a wonderful deliverer of a football, but um, Trippier couldn't really cross the halfway line because Moreno is going to kill him. Moreno's faster, skillful. It was, it was a great defensive mechanism and, and I can't wait I know we're a couple of weeks away, but I, I almost can't wait to see Moreno up against old Trent when he goes walkabout. We could be in for a cricket score up at Anfield, I tell you. 
<laughs> well, that's yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but uh, yeah, I wonder if I wonder if uh, they'll put your old mate Gomez oh. uh, at right back for that one, maybe. Sure, Gomez. <laughs> but, uh, but he, he certainly seems to have made the shirt his own now, doesn't he? I think obviously Emery was flip flopping quite a bit early on between him and Luca Dean, wasn't he? But uh, it doesn't look like we're going to be seeing too much of Luca Dean. Um, in the first team, certainly the rest of this season. I saw a report today, lads, that Luca Dean is apparently unhappy with his uh, position as as number two, and 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 that the Emery doesn't doesn't fancy him. So do we uh, do we think this is this is it for Luca Dean at Aston Villa? Well, I, I was kind of thinking about this, and I and I think um, I think he's he, he seems to be. Uh, towing the line, doesn't he, Luca Dean? And uh, if I remember rightly, at Everton, he, he certainly didn't do that, and he caused Rafa Benitez all sorts of problems. Um, and I just wonder whether um, either he kind of knows that he's 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 allowed to leave. He knows there's maybe a move on the cards or something, because he is kind of just just kind of doing his his job. It feels like, you know. If if that wasn't the case, he'd be he'd be causing more trouble. I don't know what you think. Maybe I'm judging him a bit harshly there, but given his 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 track record at Everton, that that feels like um, you know he's obviously lost his place. He's not going to get in ahead of Moreno now, is he? The way Moreno's playing, so like we say, I, I wonder if he he knows maybe that there's a move on the cards for him. I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, exit stage left in the summer. I don't think. Um... You can't really blame a player, I think. I mean, you look at Target on the opposite team on Saturday. That was precisely why he left out, if I remember, wasn't it? He was sort of, he got dis, dislodged and decided he was going to try his luck elsewhere. I mean, as it happens, he's lost his place to Tamburn, but hey-ho. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be uh, shocked to see him uh, depart. It's, but it's just, he just hoped we get some sort of feedback from Well, that's the other thing is we paid a high premium um, Gerard yeah. the Magpie saw a shiny thing he wanted and collected it. Twenty-three million, allegedly on one hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week. Um, no chance we get twenty-three million back for him, and um, and it could be one where we have to take a hit on the wages as well um, if he if he does leave, because there's only so many teams in in, in European football that can afford to offer uh, uh, those kind of terms to a. Um, to an aging left back with some with some limitations, um, I wanted to ask you guys as you were in the stadium about Target being booed. What was going on? Was that you, Andy? Did you start that? <coughs> no, certainly not. I was I was a little bit disappointed with that. I, I understood it because I think I think it's it's the new ruthless Aston Villa, isn't it? You know, we're 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 not um, we're not giving people an easy ride anymore. We've got to make that place an absolute fortress and. I understood it because he's he's a player that I think um, he won Player of the Year when there were no crowds, didn't he? If I remember rightly, um, and then he kind of fell off a cliff as soon as the the fans returned to the grounds. And I wonder if if he gets a little bit anxious on there. I think as well. It's I think he was hit, probably hit most by the departure of Grealish. I think when we had Grealish in the team, their link up down that left side was was something else really for for certainly a period. And then I think once once Grealish had gone, I think he he was a bit lost. I think, and he, he I don't think he ever was the same player for us after post Grealish. Wow, another victim of 
of uh, the Grealish flying now, by the way. But uh, let's let's yeah. focus on Villa. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I just thought it was interesting. I was like, I know he left because he was upset, but but Gerard had clearly told him, look, you got no future here. We got our money back for him. I think he was a good a good servant, as you say, one our player of the year. He didn't leave in acrimony, from from what I can tell. But maybe that's it. Maybe it's just this new ruthless Aston Villa. If you're not with us, you're against us. Yeah, and that's that's fine. I think generally. Um, people would be would have a fondness towards him. I don't think anyone would. Ha- Certainly, there's no. Um, there should be no animosity. There are far worse. You know, um, all the hand wringing that went on about whether we should be uh, welcoming Jack Grealish back after the way he left. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think Matt Target's fine. He's just. Uh, I think they were just trying to unsettle him and 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 use that advantage really. But it was a little bit disappointing because. You know, as 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 much as I was, you know, not not a huge fan. He, he served us well in that, the time he was there. That might be the so, understatement um, of know. the. Uh, <laughs> no. He did serve us well. <laughs> Bearing in mind, we, we bought him as a newly promoted club. It wasn't like we had a. We it wasn't like we were shopping in in uh, Harrods at that point. We were kind of, you know, dancing around the Belgian market to try and pick up waifs and strays. So. Yeah, he, I mean, he did all right. I just thought it was interesting. I, I was quite surprised to hear it on TV, so I just was curious about the the the, the you know the, the experience in the ground. I think it was booing, but it was fun booing. Okay, like a, it wasn't nasty like booing. A, like you're at the panto so, with a yeah. with a stick of candy. Floss. Yeah, panto booing. That's it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly it. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, we've uh, obviously um, we had another Watkins goal as well uh, shortly after um, really well worked goal between uh, McGinn and Buendia and then Watkins applying the finish um, which was a strange finish it kind of went under Pope um, I'm, I wasn't quite sure whether he, he realised he'd scored at first because um, he kind of stood there um, but he's now on he's now on 14 Premier League goals he's hitting the numbers similar to the elite strikers in the league the question now I think Craig potentially is whether when we were asking before whether we can upgrade uh, Ollie Watkins, um, it's more now whether we can keep him. Yeah, and I I opined about this some weeks ago, and um, and 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 it is really interesting because now all of a sudden, from people from the same people I saw on Twitter saying that we had to get rid of him immediately um, because he was some kind of albatross dragging us down. Some of those same accounts are now uh, clutching pearls and wringing hands and gnashing at fingernails because uh, he's only got two years of contract left on his uh, deal. And uh, and Arsenal have a reported long-term interest in him and, and, and I'm sure others will be looking at him. We know that Man United are in the, are in the, are, are, are on the hunt for a striker this summer. We know that Chelsea are on the hunt for a striker this summer. All of a sudden, people are getting nervous that he might um, he might move along. Um, I am not nervous about that. I don't know why. <laughs> that might be incredibly <laughs> naive of me. It might be incredibly naive of me, but I just feel as though he belongs at Aston Villa and Aston Villa, a bit like Mings. Like, I just feel like we belong together and that he is going to stay and that um, he's going to sign a new deal. And And yeah, I just don't, it would feel weird to have an Aston Villa lining up next season without an without an Ollie Watkins, but am I am I delusional here? 
I don't think you are, Craig. That's that's my gut feeling as well. And I was going to say, I don't think anyone, other than possibly Mings, who you also mentioned, charts the progress of Aston Villa uh, in the in this sort of Premier League um, era. Really, I think he's he's progressed in line with with where we are. We've we've sort of we're now pushing. Um, hopefully being a sort of a challenging to be a top six team. And we want to be to have a top six striker in the team leading the charge. And I think that's what Watkins is right now. Um I'm I'm not overly concerned that uh that he's gonna be off. I mean I've seen the links with um with Arsenal about he's I, I think he's a grew up as an Arsenal fan, so I don't know if that's just Lazy journalism. Yeah, no, he's, he he has been linked with with Arsenal, hasn't he? Um, yeah, this isn't the first time. I don't probably think. since he signed on and off. Yeah, yeah, he, he definitely has. And and I, I, I want. I mean, now obviously, you know, the, the sort of the sort of numbers he's hitting. Everyone, all the top top teams, probably even in Europe, are, are going to be looking at it at him, aren't they? And he does just feel like our striker, and almost like. <laughs> It's almost like we've been doing him a bit of a favour um, up until now, but now the turret tables have definitely turned to some degree. Although I would say that, you know, whilst we are in the top six, I think we are probably meeting his his um, requirements as well. So, you know, that that's a good thing. I think if we can offer him European football next season, I think he'll stay. The worry is that he's only got probably two years left on his on his contract and. Um, you know he's he's he he's he doesn't seem i mean there's been talk of, of villa opening talks with him about a new deal but you know he might wait and see what happens mightn't he because uh with t- with only 2 years left that's when it starts to get a little bit a little bit nervous <laughs> i think there's the england angle as well though i think and maybe that was well, I was going to say, do we mention Jack again? No, I'm going to. I'm not going to go there. But I think there's the England angle. Obviously, he's 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 had a sort of bite to the cherry, hasn't he? Um, previous call up, but he's obviously not flavour of the month. Of obviously, as as widely reported, Southgate was was in attendance on Saturday, but he does seem to be sort of for, well, probably fourth or fifth at least. Well, I think fifth at the moment down the pecking order, um, and obviously he wants to be higher up. Um, and I think that's maybe the only thing which may go against Villa if 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 the agents start whispering in his ear or, or someone that well actually you know what look what happened to to Jack he got the move to Man City and now he's a, a regular in the squad is is something like that maybe going to tempt him I don't know but I, I can't see him leaving otherwise I don't think well I would say a couple of things in regards to that I would say the first thing is that. You know, I know Gareth Southgate is 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 most hated man at the moment, and and with some <laughs> some justification in certain quarters. Ollie Watkins had no business being called up for the World Cup squad, and the last the last squad that was called in in March was kind of fifty fifty. You could see why he took Tony over over Watkins, you know, because Tony has also had a very good season and was probably had it a more sustained period of success. Now, obviously, Watkins is blowing Tony's numbers out of the water. Hopefully that continues going into next Saturday, as we'll talk about Brentford later. But um, now it's almost undeniable that Watkins has to be in the England squad. So I think he already knows that he can achieve those achieve those things with Villa. He also will have a better chance at being in the England squad if Villa are playing European football. That is something that Gareth Southgate does like his players to be playing European football, which is also understandable. So I... Th- if if Villa do qualify for Europe, which I believe they, we will, 
which competition who knows but we will <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk about that i know later on and um if we do qualify for europe and if they do slap uh, aston villa they slap a, a, a nice big juicy 100,000 pound plus deal on the table we know that Watkins has a young child. I think his his wife or partner might maybe pregnant again, or maybe there's already had a second child. My understanding is he's settled in the area. Um, it would not surprise me to see him stay. But if I was Ollie Watkins' agent, I would say, don't sign a thing until the end of the season. See where Villa finish. See who's interested because you want to keep your options open. If I was advising Ollie Watkins, that's what I would say. Yeah, definitely. And that's the way it generally works, isn't it? And it feels a little bit a little bit strange, I think, for us um, talking about it because he's finally sort of um, really realising that potential we all thought he had. Um, not that he's... I mean, he's, he's always been good, hasn't he, to, to, a, to a degree. Um, you know, but he's, he's now playing... He's now producing what we thought he was capable of. I remember you you suggesting he might he might be a, on a similar trajectory to someone like Jamie Vardy, where they they hit the top form, you know, in their late twenties and, and and really kind of take the league by storm. And that's that's feels like you know what's happening with with Watkins. Certainly, he's changed his game an awful lot. He's he said himself, I, I, you know, I've said on here before that he's he's not fighting with defenders anymore. He's not running channels. He's 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 you know, playing like a an elite striker now, and and he's 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 getting into good areas and he's finishing. So, you know, that's that's great. But he he just feels like it, now we want to reap the benefits of that for a bit longer than uh, than just this season. And you know, well, yeah, yeah, I, I I can see that point, and I can see. I think we saw it in that Liverpool game because yesterday's result Liverpool game's been brought up a lot because yesterday's result against Newcastle was perhaps our best result since that Liverpool game that 7-2 the guy who scored that hat-trick in that 7-2 game this is the guy we we only really saw him once or twice i think he had a brace away at Arsenal that season as well where where he was absolutely flying but we saw that we saw that guy here or there under Dean Smith we didn't see him particularly at all under Steven Gerrard, I think, apart from Gerrard's very first game where he scored that great solo goal against Brighton, I think in a 2-0 win. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're seeing that Liverpool, Ollie Watkins, we're seeing him every week. And that guy is, is as I say, inevitable, I dare say irreplaceable and, um, and, and absolutely key to what Aston Villa are doing. Yeah, definitely. I just want to um, talk about uh, another player, um, James, I, I, I don't know. You've, you, 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 I know you've been listening to the podcast a bit before before appearing on it, um, but I've had a, an issue, a long, a, a long-standing uh, issue with Emmy Buendia. <laughs> um, he's he's his, the new Freddie Gilbert. <laughs> right well, I mean, you say that, but I I must say, yesterday, um, I thought Buendia was absolutely outstanding. I thought it was by far certainly the best performance I've seen from him live um potentially the best performance in a in a villa shirt so far he was absolutely everywhere he was you know picking up those um those pockets of space all over the place and the, the you know the, the and the team were firing off him and he was he was just almost unplayable and that link up with him the midfield 
and Ollie Watkins just looks if you know if if that can continue in that kind of vein I'll be very happy with uh, with our record signing James yeah I think the formation helped him I think on Saturday as well he was um in a slightly more advanced role than perhaps he's sometimes played this season which I think suits his game but yeah I thought I mean it's difficult to really single anyone out as having a bad game on Saturday but absolutely Brendier I thought he I mean a lot of people saying his best performance in a Villa shirt um and it's certainly certainly got to be up there I mean he was absolutely everywhere I think he was uh pressing um harrying the the Newcastle midfield making a real nuisance of himself uh, I've always had a soft spot for him um, I like his ambition he's always trying those probing balls but they're, they're sort of ambitious balls and they don't always come off but uh, he's, he's, he was much, seemed to be much more on the wavelength whether that's just I think the, the tactics starting to embed and the players sort of getting that sort of uh, understanding of each other um, Possibly, but yeah, they, he was certainly finding his, his man more often than not on Saturday. I thought he was excellent. Well, I think that, uh, Andy, you were asking, where is the Emmy Buendia that's supposed to be our record signing? Where is he? Where is the number 10 that takes the game by the scruff of the neck and pulls the strings? Andy, let me introduce you to Emmy Buendia <laughs> from Argentina. He makes me happy when skies are grey. <laughs> You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. So please don't take my Emmy away. There he was. Yeah, I know he was. He was. He was really good yesterday. Now it's um, <laughs> it's a case of whether he can carry it on. I do think his his form has been a lot better over um over the the last couple of months because he's playing in a team which is which is obviously um he's not expected to, you know drag the team along in the same way that that Jack Grealish did. He's not he's not expected to 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 make everything happen. He's there to facilitate, he's there to do his bit. And the the thing that the thing that I was thinking about is how many of the how many number 10s um are also absolute animals in the in the press. You know, how many number 10s maybe I'm maybe I'm being a bit old fashioned here but you know, he he is he is a, an absolute workhorse, an absolute Trojan as well, isn't he? Just kicking people all the time. He's just, you know, <laughs> he's, he's hack, he hacks away at people's legs trying to get the ball, and I just, I just absolutely love that tenacity that he has. It's, 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 it's great. Whether he's long term, whether he's, whether he's good enough to hold down that position remains to be seen. But yesterday, he was. I, th- I really enjoyed watching him yesterday, and that's the first time I can, I can, I can honestly say that. Well, hey, Emmy Wendia, if you are listening, it seems that you may be turning a corner with our dear friend Andy, but you need to do it again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, you, you got to keep it up. <laughs> One swallow does not make uh, a summer, does it? As we know, and um... it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, he he was fantastic, and um, he, he does try the difficult things. He can be frustrating because sometimes he does try a. A Dennis Bergkamp through ball, one touch volley, where a five yard pass to a to an advancing fullback will do, and that can be frustrating. But what he does always bring, and and we've had some kind of diminutive number tens. Coutinho has obviously the magic in his boots. 
not renowned for his pressing ability, not known for kicking people. Uh, fans of an older vintage may remember a, 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 a sleek-haired Italian number 10, a diminutive gentleman by the name of Benito Carboni, who was wonderfully talented, but again, was not necessarily known for his off-the-ball uh, 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 Tasmanian devilness, if that is a thing. Um, whereas Buendia, even if he's not contributing offensively, always contributes defensively, always works hard, always winning fouls, always putting his his body in, in harm's way, actually. He's very good at using his body, deceptively good in the air, actually, um, for someone so small. He's very, very good aerially and... Um, so I mean that's sort of something you can always say for him, even if the 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 artistry and the the the, the majestic number ten stuff isn't coming off. You can always say, you know, he's gonna he's gonna work his uh, he's gonna work his balls off for the team, and um, and that and that is is, you know, it, it that does make you warm to him and and accept some of the days where where they're off days. And last week against Forest was a terrible day for Wendy. He was bloody awful, but uh, great to see him bounce back. Yeah, he was superb, and he. he just those moments as well where he goes in for a, a 50-50 and he comes out with the ball and you think how has he got how has he got that and and he's moving away and and creating an attack i just thought he was he was really excellent yesterday and i have to um it's praise where praise is due isn't it and you know he's he's certainly um he's started to win me round um dare i say it so um long may that continue um but yeah it was um I'd say a, a, a tremendous uh, win yesterday. It was one of those kind of almost season-defining type wins, I think. Um, and for the first time, Unai Emery, Emery admitted um, that the top six is potentially now the target, having um, revised his targets up throughout the season. The first one was to uh, remain in the Premier League. The second one was to finish in the top 10 or get in the top 10. And now it's about the the top six. We are currently sixth, um, now on fifty points with seven to play. Brighton and Liverpool have have some games in hand below us, which is uh, problematic. Um, but Villa are now on an unbeaten run of, of of eight, with seven of those being wins, including the the last five wins in a row, which is the first time. Um, We've done that in the Premier League since 1998. Um, and in those eight, eight games, Villa have only conceded two goals, which is uh, fantastic, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm chuckling because I can't, I can't, I can't quite believe what I'm, what I'm saying. Um, European qualification seems tantalisingly close now, despite the, the looming games in hand for, the, for those around us. Um, the danger is possibly that we're increasingly becoming a target for for our opponents and and the opposition coaches um, who might work out how to stop us. Um, does that concern you, Craig, or, or do you remain fairly confident that Emery can keep this momentum going? Well, I, as I said last week, I think I think we're going to win another three or four games, and I think that's going to do it. So that's one of those ticked off. So another three wins. You know, I think I think does Villa for, for European qualification. Um, I have to say that I also said last week, and so um, again, breaking my arm, patting myself on the back here, that I thought we would find it easier against some of the teams um, that are going to come at us and 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 try and fight with us. And Newcastle certainly did not park the bus in the way that Nottingham Forest did. 
And as a result, we found it very easy to cut through Newcastle like a hot knife through butter, whereas Nottingham Forest and Crystal Palace, for that matter, who came to to play for a point, both teams, was a much tougher nut to crack. So I do think that when we're going to be against teams who are of a better standing, that it, we are going to create opportunities. But we have to also be fair about the, the, the games in hand that the teams below us have. Two games in hand for Brighton, as you said. Two games in hand for Liverpool. So if both those teams win those games in hand, they are above us and we're down to eighth place. And and, and that means we've still got, there is still work to do for this European dream to be a reality. It's not a foregone conclusion that we're in Europe already. We are not. Um, but at the same time, as saying that, you know, if you look at the table, there's there's so much reason to celebrate. I mean, we were stuck behind Chelsea in 11th place for months, <laughs> months and months. We're now 11 points clear of Chelsea. Chelsea are not going to catch us. Chelsea are done, particularly with Frank Lampard in charge. <laughs> Chelsea are not going to catch us. We were behind Fulham for months. We're now eight points clear of Fulham. We were behind Brentford for months. We're now seven points clear of Brentford. Having played the same amount of games, if we win the game next week... That's Brentford out of the out of the equation. I don't think Brentford can catch us. So we're very, very close to 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 achieving our objective of having European football next next season. Um, but there is still work to do. And 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 while kind of and while we're on this run, I I, I think, yeah, I think we're gonna still win games. I think we will have missteps and there will be slip-ups, and I think that's okay. Um, but I think we're gonna get the wins that we need to see us over the line. I think as happened against Newcastle, the more teams come at us, I think the more we're gonna we're gonna put them to the sword. So I think uh, it, it it all goes well moving forward. But again, still work to do. It's not done yet. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think um, quietly confident about a European placed finish. I'd say um, yes, correct to identify obviously Brighton only one point behind, two games in hand. So you would expect that they will go probably four or five points clear of us once those games have been caught up. But Liverpool, two games in hand. Um, they'll only go ahead of us on goal difference, assuming they do win both of those games. And it's the sort of the, the stage of the season. I think their form, I, I wouldn't necessarily back them to, to, to get those six points necessarily. And I think crucially, and I think this is the big key point for me, if you look at our remaining fixtures, we've still got to play um, Brentford, Fulham, Brighton, Liverpool. I mean, the Brighton game, last game of the season. I mean, who, who, when the fixture list was released last August, who thought that was going to be a, a potential six pointer for a European placed finish? I mean, I'm certainly, I was looking at it as maybe if it was going to be a six pointer, it was obviously going to be down the other end of the table. So it's just fantastic to be up there fighting for the, uh, for the sort of the champagne places. Yeah, definitely. I think um, those two uh, games in hand that Brighton have are also against Man City and Newcastle. So it's not a, it's not a given. We have to. Uh, I mean, they're they're more than capable. Uh, the way they play of, <laughs> yes, they of, of winning those games, they're very good. <laughs> they're a really good. They're very really good, good team, and you know that on balance they they certainly deserve a European place, don't they? So I think I think what what's going to have to happen is we're going to have to get rid of Tottenham. Um, we're going to have to uh, reel them in, aren't we, and uh, and 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 kick them out of Europe? But um, well, you know, <laughs> that's another another question. The other thing is, I just wanted to say is like it, there has been because <laughs> I think uh, the, the 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 natural thing is once you get into this kind of position, you're looking up, aren't you? And 
people have been kind of gazing into the top four and saying it's only six points. <laughs> it's only six points behind, three points behind Tottenham in fifth and and six points behind Newcastle in, in fourth. I think Man United have won today, so they've gone nine points ahead. Um, is this dangerous? Are people getting a bit ahead of themselves here, Craig? You know, are we going to be oh, disappointed with the European no. Europa League qualification? <laughs> no, I'm no, not, not. I don't think anyone sensible would be. But you know, you, you always have the uh, people on the fringes in society and in fan bases. Um, but no, I don't imagine any reasonable, fair-minded Villa fan would be disappointed with us not qualifying for the Champions. <laughs> that sentence is so ludicrous; I can't even finish yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there'll be some, you know, again on the fringes that, that feel aggrieved that we didn't win the the, the, the treble this year. But anyway, the, um, the 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 main thing is to, and 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 I think this is a lesson for life. I try and do it. I fail most of the time, but sometimes you just have to smell the roses and enjoy enjoy the now mm. um this has been a beautiful whatever happens for the rest of the season this has been a really beautiful beautiful moment a really beautiful time i feel as though the um the 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 fans and the and the club and the manager have reconnected again for the first time since the dino grealish axis that's grealish's first uh, third mention today <laughs> goodness me um, and, um, and, you know, obviously there was a bit of a chasm that, that, that happened under the previous manager that's been repaired. Everyone's excited to, to, to watch for the games. I was excited to set my alarm for 7am. Um, not that I need to with a small child, but I set the alarm anyway, to get up and watch the game Saturday morning. I know that you all were excited to, to, to put your shirts on and, and get out to Villa Park and, and people are already looking forward to, I've already had messages from friends looking forward to going to see the Fulham game. Uh, at Villa Park um, on a, a week on Tuesday. So as much as there's a lot to look forward to and look up to, um, we also have to take a minute to smell the roses and enjoy what was going on. I did take a minute yesterday and think about the Champions League, but then I watched Unai Emery's interview and he quickly slapped me back down and said, no, not yet. We are only thinking about Europe for now. Champions League too far. Let's speak about it again in a few weeks. So in Unai we trust. If he says I can't think about it yet, then I'm not thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, I think Champions League is is obviously it's uh, it's a bit of a, a pipe dream for this season. It's not be a bridge too far, but but I think Europe's very much on the cards. And it was interesting. I don't know if you saw the interview with uh, Watkins and uh, Ramsey on the pitch after the 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 game, and they were asked about the possibility of European football. And there was I love the sort of the knowing look Ramsey gave to Watkins as if if to say sort of are we allowed to talk about this or not but um but yeah no I think I think this is it it's it I think I think I think this is it's it's all good points isn't it you know we have to be in a similar way to I guess um you know in 2019 when we were going for promotion you know that that 10 get you have to enjoy if you're on a, a run like that you have to enjoy it for what it is because it's 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 part of the um, the history of the of the club, isn't it? And the, and these are these are times that we'll look back on um, that season where you know we were heading only one way towards relegation, and then uh, the owner stepped in, sacked uh, Gerard in at, at Craven Cottage, and went and got Unai Emery, and you know everything changed as a result of that. We'll look back on that in a few years, and and. With, with with fondness and and this whole time wherever we qualify I think whatever whether we're in um, 
sixth, seventh, or eighth. You know, we'll we'll. I'm convinced it'll be one of those three places, but it'll be. Uh, you know, we'll look back on it fondly, and particularly if next season, then we go on and and um, have a full a full season tilt at, at, at Europe. I think that'll be. Um, we'll have an even better chance then, and you know, maybe that's a better a better target. Really, is maybe aiming for those top four or five places next season but yeah i just um you put the uh the champions league um music on our, on our group chat craig and i thought um <laughs> i thought uh, i've been i've been outed I, yeah sorry about that um but i i, right. <laughs> I thought um you know you, you you your mind goes to you know standing in K2 next season with the Champions League music playing and the flag and everything and thinking you know but it's it's um yeah it's 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 too far isn't it and I'll be absolutely delighted as we've always said you know give me that conference league that'll be absolutely lovely next season and um uh you know real a real kind of step forward in in our progress because um as we I mean we're recording this on Sunday Today, the, the the Villa women have, have 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 sadly gone out of the the cup uh, at the semi final, losing one 0 to Chelsea. Um, but they have delivered on the on the promise of the continuous improvement. They have shown the way. That's how you do it. They're going going up, getting promoted, establishing themselves, and kicking on every year. And now they're the best of the rest. They're fifth um, behind the big four, and Villa are looking to be in a similar position now, but we've had a few backward steps along the way. And now hopefully that progress is, is, is going to happen again. And maybe we can look at that, that idea of continuous improvement going into next season, Craig. Yeah. And, and, and let's be, let's be real. Let's be fair. We take the, the Moreno uh, praise earlier. If we, if we get anything like the same kind of a success with, with a couple more, or of, depending on what happens in terms of European qualification, depends on probably how many players we need, how many of the young players are going to be integrated. Lots of questions to answer um, for our our summer podcast series <laughs> that aren't for today. But um, if Unai Emery can replicate anything like his kind of eagle eye for transfers that we've seen with Alex Moreno, who, as he say, we don't know where he's been, but we're glad he's here uh, on a couple of other positions and we can strengthen there then we certainly can be in a position to 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 push on but this is it Andy you know you've got to keep fighting the bear as much as we might improve next season you can bet Tottenham are going to try and come again you can bet Chelsea won't be as bad this season when they've got a coherent adult um, <laughs> in in charge of the uh, in charge of club club policy, which they don't at the moment. Unfortunately for them, uh, I don't think any manager can can deal with that. Anyway, that's a, a Chelsea problem. You would think that um, you would think that um, Liverpool won't be as bad again next season. So, um, as much as we will improve, other people will improve as well, and um, we have to. Keep going, keep fighting. Newcastle will invest heavily again, particularly if they qualify for the Champions League. So it is it is it is not just a foregone conclusion to say that we're just going to show up next season and everything's going to be super easy because there's going to be a lot of stronger sides. Brighton, you would expect to continue to get better. Fantastic set they have over there. Brentford could be stronger again after another year in the Premier League. So it's going to be a fight. But um it's just nice to be in the conversation again. It's nice to be in the mix. Yeah. It's nice to be a consideration. Nice to be relevant. It's great. Nice to be relevant, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it Absolutely. is. Absolutely. 
Just w- one more thing, Craig. Villa in Philadelphia in the summer. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, they are. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm going to be there. Um, I've already pre-registered for my for my tickets. Um, my mate, uh, who's a, a Burnley fan was like um he's like i think the tickets are going to be expensive and i was like i know they're going to be expensive and that's just just a, a hit we're gonna have to take i'm afraid <laughs> um so uh so yeah uh the the, the, the eagle stadium for, for context for anyone doesn't know or the uh the lincoln uh field whatever it's called lincoln financial field is like an eighty thousand seat beast of a stadium it's where the philadelphia eagles play uh the philadelphia is very successful um NFL team, um, recent uh, Super Bowl finalists earlier this year. Anyway, so it's a huge arena. So I would imagine it's going to be very difficult for me not to get a ticket. Um, so I am, I'm going to be there by hook or by crook. I will probably be there in a different state than I am now. And I'm just really, really, really excited for it. It's going to be, oh, it's just going to be magical to see, to see Villa in preseason, see Emery see Ollie Watkins after he's just signed his new five-year deal. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah, and hopefully there'll be some some opportunities for supporters over there to um, to get involved, you know, like they did in Australia last year. And that was a, a really successful tour, I think. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a great thing. It's just wonderful to, uh, to see how, to see the buzz around that when, you know, for, for, me, for, for people like me and James, well, and yourself, Craig, obviously growing up in, in Birmingham, um, it's it's our lo- it's our little local team, isn't it, Aston Villa? But it means so much to so many people around the world. And you know, the other week at the Forest game, we met we met the the um, we met Pete who runs the, uh, the the Holy Trinity um, YouTube channel. Obviously, he's, a, he's he's well known over in over in Canada, um, and you just see what it meant to him to be at Villa Park. It was his first first trip to Villa Park, and it's it's amazing it's amazing it's i i, I never i ne- it never fails to um to astound me how many people around the world feel exactly the same about aston villa as uh as i do it's uh it's quite incredible yeah i i took it for granted i guess cuz i i grew up i think i had my first season ticket when i was 7 i think my dad first took me to villa park when i was maybe 6 something around there. And I just went every two weeks for my entire childhood until I was, um, until I left to move to London and was, was working in London and couldn't, couldn't do it anymore. But even then I still went eight or nine times a season. Obviously I'm able to go less now. I'm based elsewhere over overseas, but, um, you just take it for granted, but I, I didn't take it for granted. The, the last couple of times I've been there, having not been able to go during COVID, it is just really special. The majesty of the place, the 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 atmosphere of the place, the history, the people, the smell of the 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 the, the burger vans and the donut thing walking up. To, you know, just just that whole experience and just like, oh, they get a bit emotional. <laughs> just like walking up there with my dad and my uncle in in the rain or in the snow and all that stuff. I mean, that was my that was my childhood and. And for people all over the world to see us on TV and to have an aff- affection for Aston Villa. And we know we have people that listen to this podcast all over the world and we, we thank you for listening. So for someone like Canadian Pete or someone like uh, Mark Jarobi, who's going to be joining me in Philadelphia, I think, um, to, you know, set foot on that hallowed turf, it, it means something, man. It's it's um, 
I, I, I don't want to conflate it with religion. I don't want to offend anyone, but it is a spiritual experience to be in, in that in that place, in that community, um, and and with just thousands of like-minded people. It's there's something just quite special about yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mark Jarobi, I think, has booked his flights already, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so uh, yeah, good good lad, good lad, Mark. <laughs> yeah, we 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 may meet before the game and have a have a have a oh, catch up. We'll, oh, we'll see if we so. can if we can produce some content for the channel. I'm sure we That'd can. Be wonderful. That'd be wonderful. But we move we move on to uh, to next Saturday, Brentford away. Um, it's another. Three game week actually. Brentford away, Fulham at home on the Tuesday, and Man United away that the following Sunday. Um, Brentford have been our bogey team, haven't they, since the Championship days? Since Dean Smith was there, um, until Aaron Danks changed all that, um, and we smashed them four 0 at Villa Park three days after Steven Gerrard was dismissed. Um, they have an impressive season. Obviously, you know they're they're, they're very close um, in the chase for Europe. Um, however, they've lost their last three, including a two-nil defeat last weekend or this weekend. Sorry to, to Wolves. Ivan Tony remains their principal threat, um, and he'll be going up head to head with Ollie Watkins, um, who will be facing his former club, of course. Um, Emery will be hoping that the the injury list will shorten, particularly after um, Jacob Ramsey appeared to hurt himself in the in the build up to the third goal on Saturday. It's an important double header initially, um, with Fulham visiting on Tuesday next week as well. Um, Craig or James, I'll come to you first. Do you do you, do you think this squad, the squad, can endure um, all these matches? Very thin squad as well. Very few options, um, and can they keep the run going? Um, well, there's two questions there, aren't there? I, I would prefer not having to play three games a week at the moment, I think, given the uh, the squad we've got uh, and the injury list. But that said, I think um, we're expecting Cash, Kabar and potentially Coutinho to be uh, available for selection this, this weekend, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which will certainly help. I mean, I think poor old Ash Young, who's is he 38 now? Um, Nearly. I think he would certainly not be looking forward to playing three games a week. So, I mean, if we can certainly bring Cash back for at least two of those games, perhaps, I think that would certainly help him out. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, it'd be a good game. I think, as I said earlier, I think our, our drive for Europe, um, we have still got to play a lot of the teams around us. And I, I don't expect Brentford to catch us now. But if we can beat them, I think that certainly gives us, puts a bit of daylight between us and them. Um, should be a good game. I'd, I'd like to think the run's going to keep going. I'm not massively optimistic. I think it is going to crumble at some point. I think we may just possibly run out of steam, but uh, not this weekend. I'm going to I'm going to back the boys for a win. I think. Yeah, um, me too. I think Brentford have not been quite themselves uh, of late. I think that uh, speaking of running out of steam, I think that that they have had some some tricky results. I think they. Haven't won since beating Southampton on March 15th. I'm looking over now. That includes a draw against Leicester at home, a 3-3 draw and a very entertaining game away at Brighton, a 1-0 loss to Man United and a 2-1 loss to Brentford, coupled with a 2-0 loss yesterday against Wolves. Uh, Brentford are not in in, in a good vein of form. um, And if there's there's ever such a good time to to play them, it could be now. Um, So... 
let's take our momentum. Let's not take anything for granted. We know that they're very, very good. We know that Ivan Tony is an incredible, incredibly dangerous player, uh, also incredibly dangerous at the bookies. Um, and what we want to do is make sure that um, make sure that we contain his threat and um, and don't give him any penalties because he doesn't miss. Um, but with with us in in the form that we're in, and, and with 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 Brentford having a bit of a wobble, nothing, no disgrace in that. By the way, they've had a fantastic season. Brentford again, one of the best run clubs with Brighton in the whole country. Um, but certainly, that there's there's a win there for Aston Villa. Should we be able to take it? So I think there's going to be a Villa win. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a very different game, isn't it? Brentford obviously have a very certain, very particular style of play. They they like to play vertically. They go back to front quickly. And obviously they 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 play to the strengths of even Tony, who, you know, is is in incredible form. Um, and I think the thing the th- the thing that Im- impresses me, or one of the things that impresses me about Emery is whenever we think there might be a problem for us, he seems to solve it. He seems to um, be able to plan for certain things and and contain problems that we thought we might have. Um, we saw that obviously we saw that in the in the Newcastle game we saw that we've seen that in games where we know that, that, that teams you know have sat in against us and and tried to try to play for a point we've been able to find a, a, an answer for that so there there, there tends to be a, a specific game plan for each for each team and that gives you confidence doesn't it that that gives you that that feeling that you know he'll he will know he will know everything about Brentford and he'll know or he'll have an idea of how to how to stop it. It's interesting that the last time we played Brentford, um, you know, it was three days after Gerard was sacked. They would have been very much preparing for a very different test, and we blew them off the park. Um, we had superior players and a good game plan, and we and we and we really we really wiped the floor with them. Um, again, this will be another uh, totally different test, and you know I'm not convinced. Um, well, I'd like to think that uh, Thomas Frank hasn't got the the coaching um, abilities in the same way that Unai Emery has, and I think I think it will. I'm 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 very confident. <laughs> I don't like necessarily feeling this confident, wow. but I'm I'm very confident that we'll go there and win and and do the double over them and. You know, we need to. Um, the other thing that Emery Emery has no respect for historical um, form or uh, any kind of uh, what do they call it superstition or any kind of kind of you know uh, that he just blows it out of the water, doesn't he? Any 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 records, any of these historical records or things like that, he's not interested in any of that at all. So um, he won't be the least bit concerned about Brentford's. Um, uh, What's the what's the word? Hex over Who us. Do? Who do over us? Absolutely. Yeah. So um yeah. The other I think, thing I'd oh, oh, sorry, go on. No, I was just gonna say I think Avery's one of the most tactically astute managers in the in the league at the moment. I think we're lucky to have him. And yeah, as, as you said, yeah, I think he's he's more than capable of outthinking his opposite number. And what I would also add in terms of the three games in a week, and, and we're recording this on Sunday evening, as Andy said earlier. So we don't know the team news, we don't know the Ramsey news. But we are also anticipating the return of hopefully Cash, uh, hopefully um, 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 Kamara, hopefully uh, our good friend, uh, perhaps Biscuit Leon, um, Gingerbread uh, Bailey, as well as the other guy, 
Coutinho. Coutinho. There you go. <laughs> that big star, our most famous player. The biggest so, name player to ever play for the club. That one, yeah. <laughs> so we could, uh, we could, in fairness, be bolstered um, by next weekend, depending on how those injuries go, and and have some more, some more uh, um, weapons at Unai Emery's disposal. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, yeah, even if they're not fit for Brentford, but they're fit enough to come and come back in um, for the Fulham game on the Tuesday, I think would help, wouldn't it? I think you've got the week now to recover for the Brentford game. I think it's that that quick turnaround then which we struggle with. But if you've if you've got the players back by the second game at least to freshen up, that would give me a bit more comfort. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we won't predict the Fulham game because you can't predict what happens in the game after the next game, but. Um, James, prediction for Brentford? Well, I said I backed the boys for the win, so I'm going 2 1 Villa. Craig? 2 0 Villa. I'm going to go 3 0 Villa. <laughs> <laughs> I might revise that by Thursday or Friday next week. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm very confident, very confident indeed. So, uh, yeah, let's keep it going. That'll be six in a row, lads. So, uh, yeah. Right. Well, th- absolutely. Well, thanks. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks to everyone for listening. Um, head over to uh, underagaslitlamp.com for all the uh, information over there on the website, and also give us a follow on the socials and set your notifications wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll let you know when the next one is released. Um, but it's been great, guys. Thank thank you very much for for joining me. And if you're going to Brentford. Um, next week, have a have a great time. I'll be there at Fulham, the Fulham match uh, on the Tuesday, um, and then we'll probably do a podcast and and take in those two games next week. But thanks to everyone for listening. Stay safe and up the villa.